for those in Perth, you're in a good spot because there's a heap of people around you who've got uh, money or uh, you are one step away from, from knowing the person that does. Welcome to episode 75 of Startup West. My name is Steve and this week it is a delight to be behind the mic with my co-host Brody McCulloch. Brody, it is always a pleasure. Thanks so much, Steve. Uh, awesome to be here. Startup West podcast is all about startups, entrepreneurs and innovators who have been there and done that right here in sunny Western Australia. On this episode, we talk to David Pettit, co-founder and group CEO of Picture Wealth, a unique service offering financial happiness at your fingertips. Hi, David, and welcome to Startup West. Fantastic to have you here. Thanks, mate. Good to be here. Can you tell us about Picture Wealth and the story of what you led to starting up the business? Sure, and thanks thanks for the opportunity to share a bit about what we've done. Um, Picture wealth. Well, where do we start? So you probably agree with me that, that most people aren't as organised in relation to their money as they should be. Are you? Yeah. I'm probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but you might be close because you're kind of in, in and around the sector, yeah? So um, the absolute vast majority of people aren't, and that's uh, a function of two things. One, um, access, uh, and two is, is visibility. So what we wanted to do with Picture Wealth was really create a single picture of your wealth. Be a technology-led company, think about all the stuff that's happening in your life that's to do with your money, uh, and then connect it onto a single screen so you can see it, understand it, uh, interact with it, and hopefully make better choices. Hence the name, right? Picture wealth, a single, single picture of your wealth. The otherwise invisible visible, the unseen seen. We'll find some more of those catchphrases as we go through. <laughs> but um, that's, a, that's a pretty complex task because money's complex. Um, it's gone pretty well. Um, you know, we commercialised the business in mid-2018. Um, 2020 was a transformational year for us where we, we moved towards, moved into tens of millions of dollars of revenue, tens of thousands of clients. Uh, we crossed the, the $2 billion in funds under advice mark in um, really our full cal- second full calendar year of trading and uh, the business has continued to to grow and prosper from that point. Um, it's been an interesting journey. Um, and, and if we think about what the technology is solving for, it's solving for that, that visibility piece. Yep. Uh, and then if you think about the business model behind the technology, it's, it's solving for the access piece. Uh, financial services in Australia is extremely regulated, if not the most regulated in the world. And uh, that creates friction in terms of access for the consumer because a regulated uh, sector like ours uh, has to run higher costs uh, to be able to cover compliance or regulatory obligations or burden, uh, which in turn means that fewer people can access those services. So I strongly believe that you know if you're organised in relation to your money, you're going to live a happier, healthier life. And if we can run a technology-led company where people from the couch at home can start to interact with their money online, start to get educated about what they could do differently and start to learn about what that journey would look like from where they are now to where they should be, then they're better educated about their capability to pay a fee and ultimately have access. So, yeah, that's that's what we set out to achieve and... Um, what we've, what we've done, and, and, and it's a pretty exciting journey ahead as well. 
So what was the key driver for you to start up the business, like from your personal experience or your background? Yep, bit of both. So I've uh, in my entire career been in uh, the financial advisory sector and got passionate about how we could make the, the quality of advice or the integrity of advice that's sometimes only available to the few. I got passionate about how we could make that available for the many. Um, and got talking to some of the massive corporates, you know, uh, big global uh, brands and, and whatnot, um, many of them here in WA, about how financial education or financial literacy could be offered inside employee employee workforces. Yeah? How could the corporate offer some kind of employee financial wellness for their employees? Um, and those discussions, you know, we're talking five five to ten years ago that they they commenced and you ultimately end up with the decision makers at the top of the business who think it's a great idea and then you get a, a few layers down and, and HR and legal conclude that they don't want financial advisors in there selling the wrong thing to people because that's what our industry has been reputed for and unfortunately has happened historically as well. So it was a bit of a dead end. You uh, A desire to create financial education and literacy for the masses um, came up against a stumbling block. So we asked what might be able to uh, get us past that problem. So what's the problem? It's they don't want people selling the wrong stuff to the wrong people. And the solution was then tech. How, how can we get people educated about their, their money, provide meaningful insights and education, and, and that's really where we got, got building. Started with a super simple online form that you could do like a health check and get a score. And you know, once you're educated about something, you you then uh, had an ability to make a decision um, and that evolved and that evolved and we ended up launching PictureWell's first instance of our platform, which was the Wealthy, uh, a single single screen uh, snapshot of your wealth or the wealth selfie. And then that's great, personal financial management tool online, but uh, when you look at the, the commercials of the business model behind that, you can only give away free access to, to free software for a certain amount of time. And as a startup, that's where you see bank bank balances diminishing. <laughs> and um, so needed to commercialize the model. So came into existence through my passion for educating the masses about money and then commercialized the business again at that 2018 inflection moment where advisors were under new stress and scrutiny from a regulatory uh, and educational perspective that we were then able to lean back on a uh, established known business model, which is the provision of financial advisory uh, services, not necessarily product focused, but more strategy and advice, uh, which enabled us to commercialize the business and then and then scale. So David, I guess that, that genesis moment or that genesis phase of the startup time back in 2018, uh, what was the investment capability? What, what, what did you have to go through? Bootstrapping, family, fools, friends, that sort of scenario? No fools. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Bootstrapping, family, friends, and um, fortunately having established businesses and running in the background as well. Uh, so looking at um, what's a good good way to think about it. So if you're a startup, no, sorry, if you're an investor and you're looking to, to buy a whole heap of investment properties, you know, they talk about negatively geared or positively geared. 
negatively geared properties mean that you've got to put money into them from your own pocket on a monthly basis. You do that often enough and across enough of them, then you get to the bottom of your pocket and you're, you're stretched, right? Uh, but positively geared means those properties that you're buying actually have a positive contribution to your pocket on a, on a monthly or yearly basis. So then you can scale. Additional cash flow or being, um, you know, your income's slightly higher than your expenses means you can keep going in a particular direction. So we were fortunate then to have investors who backed the tech early. Uh, yep, family and bootstrapping uh, as well and have established businesses running behind the scenes, which we were really able to uh, merge and, and, and integrate into the, the broader thing uh, to create those sustainable cash flows. And 2018 was probably when fintech in Australia was really starting to take off, or maybe you were a little bit early even yep. in that. And since then, it's just grown massively. And there is that, uh, I think, more demand in the last two years. Maybe COVID has something to do with that, with people wanting to learn about their finances. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pitch World's recently raised $14 million, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, but it'd be great to understand that process. You know, there is a lot of growth in this space. What allowed you to raise that amount of money and and what sort of traction had you had to, to do that? Um, I initially drew the business model on a flight to Singapore in 2010. Right. That was very early for FinTech then. <laughs> very early. And it was a square in the bottom of like an A3, sorry, in the middle of an A3 piece of paper uh, and then connecting lines going all the way around it, you know, 360 degrees from the middle of the, the page, of middle of the piece of paper and those connecting lines were connected to basically anything that was happening in my life that had a dollar sign around it. Yep. So superannuation, underlying asset allocation inside superannuation, health insurance, car insurance, pet insurance, I think at the time, all of it. Um, And then the flight landed in Singapore and I folded up that piece of paper and concluded that this will never work because uh, we're at an interesting moment in time then because you actually still had a, a good portion of the demographic who, who didn't trust mobile banking apps. Yep. So how on earth were we ever going to get a populace to a position where they would think about connecting all of their financial matters onto a single screen? Yep. So folded up the piece of paper or scanned it and filed it and continued on. And uh, then 2008, it was maybe 15 or 16, the uh, emergence of robo-advice came to the front. Uh, so robo-advice, for those who don't know, is, is robotic advice. And its first iteration was really something that you could have always done through a stockbroker, buy a portfolio of investments, but now you could do it online, you could do it from your couch at home, and um, it wasn't really robotic and it wasn't really advice. It was something that you could always do, but it was now built into a, a startup model and, and those businesses needed to raise an enormous amount of money to uh, create a forever cheaper service to service the masses. And again, if you spend more than you earn, you're going in a particular way unless you keep keep raising. Um, so what happened, I guess, between 2010 and, um, and now even is we interacted with Facebook more often, Twitter, Google, all of it, and we as a populace would start to blaze more through, uh, start to blaze through more terms and conditions box as we concluded that our online privacy, you know, it now wasn't what we thought it was and people moved into the the, the sharing 
economy and it created a mindset shift in the in the populace that perhaps it is possible to start to think about acting and interacting with your monies online, as was proven by the, the robo-advisory uh, evolution or introduction. So I had a bit of a light bulb moment there and got out that scanned piece of A3 paper with a single person's financial world on it and then looked back at what robo-advice was and thought, well, this isn't really robotic, it's not advice. A digital advice experience might be something that could connect you firstly to all of your money uh, and then educate you on how to how to make new decisions going forward. So did that. That was the uh, really the first discussion with investors was uh, creating a, a universe where all of your money uh, was visible and a society was up to a point where that was viable, um, security and, you know, uh, everything that we run in the, in the in the background is is critical, but we um, were now able to bring that idea to life. And to your point, have, having recently gone through uh, a capital round, um, that's given us the uh, the firepower, let's say, or the ability to now make what's been a successful um, trajectory to date, because of, because we are here to help people with their money. Uh, it's given us the firepower, firepower to help more people. So we can look at national expansion and also, you know, what we can potentially do beyond Australia. It's an extremely long answer to your question. No, uh, very good. I think the I hope it got the question. No, I think the the yeah that background is really helpful. Just the fintech space has moved forward so much that I think it's good to have that context where yeah. this isn't an overnight thing. It's actually been something that's built over time. And I think waiting probably a good lesson for people listening is around. You know, you don't want to be swimming against the tide sort of thing. You've got to wait for timing is as good as being lucky in a lot of cases. Yep, couldn't agree more. Uh, David, uh, like every good business, undoubtedly you've done your business plan, your marketing plan, your commercialization plan. They are all, assumption, all assumptions on your part. But carry on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any competitors on the scene, uh, past or present or emerging for you? Not seen. Not seen uh, competitors. So... The reason I say that is, is um, you know, wealth, wealth is still needs to be a human experience. It needs to be a hybrid between the the customer or the client and um, the advisor or the person on the other side of that equation who, when you're dealing at the level that we're dealing at across all money matters, there needs to be a relationship, right? So it needs to be hybrid. Uh, if you think about Apple when they introduced their credit card, what was it called? I can't remember, but anyway, they kind of launched their credit card and overnight they became the largest provider of credit cards globally. And the reason for that is because fintechs, yep, startups and whatnot proved that digital neobanks, digital mm. banking, digital credit cards were possible and they basically coded the whole end-to-end experience and then a massive technology player like a Apple can come in and launch and be the biggest in the world overnight. So when I say not seen competitors, mm. we absolutely have competitors uh, in the market who... They've got advisors, they've got technology, they've got licensing, um, but our sector specifically in Australia is contracting by half due to regulatory burden, meaning half of the financial advisors are exiting. So that we need them to be allies as opposed to competitors because we all generally have a shared purpose of helping people with their money. Um, but the unseen is not right in front of us and I think is still a while away because it's going to be extremely hard to codify the 
uh, trust and relationship piece of what is an important wealth management uh, business. Um, so that's where um, it would be a hopefully not an overnight success that would uh, render us irrelevant, like Apple stepping into those those credit cards, but more um, keeping the customer and, and the the relationship forefront of mind. And over the last sort of four years, what's one of the biggest highlights you've had through this process? Because starting a startup's really hard work. Um, so it'd be great to hear about one of the highlights for you. Survival. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, makes sense. It's, uh, so Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Yes. What's the bottom layer? Say safety and security? or <laughs> So you, you hang around there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you're only ever one decision away, yeah. And we all run around in our own skull size kingdom, and in a battle for survival, you're only ever one decision away from giving it up or taking a deep breath and and figuring out what next. So, um, not necessarily battles, but inflection moments where you could easily throw on the towel and and head out the door uh, if uh, we had have succumbed to any of those single decisions and done that, then we wouldn't be where we are now. Uh, it was always a decision to forge forward and that was you know, probably far easier knowing that, that we're, it was linked back to that singular purpose, financial happiness for the world, and getting people access to quality advice and, and doing that at, at scale. Um, yeah, so I reckon the key success thing to this point is survival. And I'll let you know when we're at self-actualization at the top of the <laughs> top of the pyramid, and and that probably links into now that you have survived. Uh, what's next? So what's next for Picture Wealth? What's next? We national expansion. Yep, going back to the initiating um, thoughts that that created the business, which is employee financial wellness. Uh, how can we service that now largely underserviced part of the uh, Australian sector, which is corporate superannuation and, and all of the important financial education that is needed and demanded around that uh, with tech at scale. Um, and as you point the business towards that, it, it means that you need an, a good uh, team of talented people across the country uh, to provide services and or fulfil on advice needs if they're there. So what's next? We have an enormous amount of open field running here in Australia that we need to do. Uh, there is a significant market share which is there and available. You know, a, a big headline number which has gone through the media is that 14,000 advisors are in the process of exiting the industry and that the number will be more than that, by the way, and um, they're leaving behind a minimum of $900 billion of client money which has you know, been, been tagged as orphaned. So put that into perspective. Mum and Dad Australia used to have an advisor linked to their super fund or their, their wealth that advisor's exited and when a sector's contracting by half, there's no uh, very few places for them to turn to. So next for us is to really uh, make the accessibility of our platform and our services available to as many people as possible in Australia. And then, you know, if we get it right here, knowing that we are extremely regulated in Australia, it becomes easier to jump into international jurisdictions um, as you kind of have to strip back complexity, right? So... Our eyes certainly on international expansion, uh, partnerships with in- investors or, or intermediaries and uh, rolling out or, or considering the rolling out of financial education uh, as a 
kind of a, a lead into to foreign markets uh, and then come in behind that with the business model that's suited to, to that specific jurisdiction. And a shout out to the Startup West podcast sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and TechOn. David, can we take you back through your career uh, from your own schooling? Uh, are you WA born and bred and raised? Uh, originally New Zealand. Okay. Grew up in Queenstown, New Zealand, which is the adventure capital of the world. Part of my schooling was on a, I think it was a Wednesday, the school bell would ring at about 11 o'clock in the morning. And instead of doing sport every day in, in school, they'd save it up to a Wednesday and everyone would exit the school with their ski or snowboard pants and jackets already on and get onto a line of buses and go up the, the mountain for the rest of the day. So it was the one day that you were happy to finish school late. And yeah, that, was, yeah. that was when the ski field closed. Um, yeah, and then uh, travelled, worked in England post-school for a year uh, and, and the States on the tail end of that and then came back to university in New Zealand. The... Uh, academic path that I followed, which is um, you know really come back to the the forefront now, was a degree in physical education uh, with a focus on adventure education, and then a degree in commerce. So very much the health and wealth yeah. piece. I uh, said so to my comment before, if you're organised in relation to money, you're going to live a happy, healthier life, right? So uh, I didn't know it at the time, but those two elements of um, University, whilst having a lot of fun along the way, uh, are now extremely prevalent in what we what we run as a business. And went to Canada for a year after uni, again skiing, snowboarding, and uh, loving that beautiful country. Uh, both through winters and and summers for mountain biking, and then uh, Sydney. I was probably just about to outstay my welcome in Canada, and my brother called me from Sydney and said, "How about you come down?" down here and sit on the beach with me in Sydney and figure out what you're going to do next. So did that and um, landed into financial services within an extremely short space of time and okay. uh, here we are. So Perth, I'd only lived in Sydney for a couple of years. I think I came out here around about 2000, 2006. Found a beautiful bride from the Swan Valley and had a couple of baby girls and um, built, a, built a business along, a couple of businesses along that whole journey. Lovely. Right. And was there anything from like school and university where you were like, yeah, opportunities to be entrepreneurial or where did that sort of come from? Maybe from a, a mindset perspective. Um, if you're standing at the top of a, a chute at the top of a mountain and the wind's coming in a bit and snow is blowing in your face and you've got your goggles on and you have to have to assess risk and reward, <laughs> 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 then you you don't chase the reward without an, an understanding of your skill or ability to tolerate the risk. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, that carried forward, which has probably allowed us to get out of some of those darker corners when the risk is a bit more than you want it to be and keeping a business alive or, or, or not just surviving, as I said before, but but thriving and um, you know having some of those innate experiences that were evolved and developed in nature transpire across to the the commercial side um that's that's something so i don't know if it's necessarily in the skills or the education but the uh development of a of a mindset 
uh, and that's a desire to qualify and quantify risk uh, and then uh, make a decision. Mm. Uh, if the wind's blowing a little bit too hard on your face or you can't see your exit or there's a, a bit of rock and you can't see quite what's on the other side of it, you, you've got to make a choice. Yep. Mm. And sometimes the best choice is just not to go. So, David, based on those winds of change and uh, <laughs> your journey and experiences associated with that, what advice would you give to the Perth startup scene? Um, get inside your head. Work on your mindset. It's not easy. It's fun, but it's you see it on LinkedIn or, or Facebook every day. It's not fun at the same time. It's a, it's a journey, so you have to work on your mindset as, as much as, as you possibly can. Um, firstly, to find the passion and, and the trigger that's going to drive you. Make sure it's not just the, the entrepreneurial seizure as defined by Michael's, Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth. Read that book if you haven't read that book um, because if you have the entrepreneurial seizure that causes you to leave your paid job to go start up your own thing, you don't want to land as the technician on the other side just doing everything you were doing before, but now you need to do the bookkeeping and the management and everything as well. You need to stay in that mindset of uh, capacity to achieve. And from a fundraising perspective, uh, how did you go raising locally? So a lot of people listening to this will be looking at how they raise funds. Um, what was the process for that um, and maybe something about that experience? Yeah, locally here in Perth. So Perth's a great uh, environment. You know, we are isolated over here. We've got strong networks and I'm not sure of the exact statistic, but on average, what is it? Brody, you probably know as well as uh, better than me, but not the highest number of on entrepreneurs per capita or, mm. or millionaires per capita. Millionaires, yeah. Yeah, right. So yeah. there's some significant wealth here and, and a lot of it historically has come out of the ground. Mm -hmm. So um, for those in Perth, you're in a good spot because there's a heap of people around you who have, who have got uh, money or uh, you are one step away from, from knowing the person that does. Um, and then it's important to understand where their wealth has come from and if you're out there doing a crypto short-selling platform for <laughs> people who reside on the moon <laughs> um, and you're talking to the person who uh, extracted their wealth from the ground, um, you know, get your story right. <laughs> um, so I think the advice for the Perth startup community is know that you're in a good space and ask to get to the right people because they are here, they're supportive, there's capital. Sure, we're in an interesting market uh, at the moment with, with what's happening globally, um, but there is a desire to support big ideas and, and just keep asking. You'll hear it from any startup founder. They were X tens or hundreds of meetings in before they got the first yes. Uh, Good luck in getting it in less than, than hundreds. It's entirely doable and possible, um, but just keep going. Perhaps, uh, David, prior to moving to our rapid quickfire round, uh, last question, uh, who do you admire as a startup or a leader in WA or anywhere for that matter? Yeah, I think, good question. Uh, Mike Malone's a good example. You know, he took IONET from startup to extraordinary outcomes and now is a you know, significant leader in the Perth community community across the uh, director roles that he takes uh, across companies. So full credit to him. Yeah, he, he achieved the growth in that business at a time where telcos were extremely competitive. But um, Mike, if you're listening, well done. 
um, Canva, you can't go past them as... Absolutely. Uh, I think we're fiercely fierce in telling everyone they're from Perth. They're from right. Perth. Yeah. They're from Perth. I think they're over east now, but um, what an extraordinary story and an extraordinary achievement. Um, and then maybe more globally, it's uh, it's some of the businesses that I follow who are doing uh, aspects of our broader models. Uh, so some of the guys out of the US who are doing mergers and acquisitions or licensing services across the uh, financial services sector. Uh, there's one business specifically um, that grew from nothing to a $3.5 billion exit in a three-year period uh, out of the, the US. And um, I won't give too much away because I'd, I'd have to ask permission uh, to say who they were first, but when I saw that story, I woke up in the morning and, and read about them. I was like, heck, they're, they're doing what we're doing. But then read the part that they'd had a $3.5 billion exit. Mm. Uh, so they realized they were a bit further ahead. So I reached out to the founder and said, well done, uh, and subsequently spent at least a couple of hours with them on the phone and online uh, learning about what they did and, and how they achieved it. And I guess my point is if you've got a, a leader or a uh, a founder or someone who was successful, you see something going on, you know, they've been through it and they're happy to share. So reach out. I do. I do frequently. And, you know, you might only get one in 10 that respond. Uh, talk about Mike Malone before. I haven't spoken to him before. So, Mike, I should give you a call. But anyway, <laughs> um, reach out and and learn. Yep. Sage advice. Great. Brody, should we do it? Yeah. So we're up to the yeah rapid quick fire round now. So yeah. just short answers. Um Based, so first thing that comes to mind. Uh, so what's the single most important factor that creates a successful, successful startup? Capital, access to cash flow, money. If you were wait, to wait, 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 wait. Ah, it has to be short fire, doesn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't matter how good your purpose is or your intent and whatnot. If you don't have the, uh, the firepower to bring it to life, then yeah, so it's got to be cash. If you were to wave your magic wand over the local startup scene in WA... What would you wish into being or wish away? Wish into being. Uh, I can't ask for too much more. I quite like the community here. Uh, wish away is a uh, paradigm, um, meaning a kind of limit limit on how people see and see and believe in the world, or uh, what's a bigger or a small amount of money, or a bigger or a small amount of achievement. Um, I think there's this capacity to expand the the paradigm through through global input. And how can anyone listening help you? If you are not 100% completely and utterly organised in relation to your money and you would like to learn how to become that, then we would be more than happy to have a conversation. Yep. Finally, David, we all need to enjoy family life and time and some personal getaway how do you unplug? Uh, what do you do to get away from it all, relax and refresh? Kids at the moment. Yep. So I'm there for the morning and morning and night. And um, yeah, one of my personal goals is to see the wonders of the world reflected in their eyes. Uh, so that's my, my sweet spot at the moment because the business is largely all-encompassing, but they're the fun time. Great. So thanks so much, David. Yeah, thanks for your insight and, and telling us your story. Uh, we'd really like to wish you the best into the future and future world's uh, success. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks.
Also, thanks to our sponsors. Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Inner Twist, and TechOn. We recorded this podcast at Rift Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, Western Australia. Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite podcast platform so our latest episodes appear in your feed. We would love to hear from you, so please leave a review.